0: some time looking at and we're going to be uh, getting into the subject of uh, money, giving and generosity. There we go, that's our title for this morning or maybe generosity and giving if perhaps you want a uh, little snappier title there. Now before we get into this, I want to say a few things to put this into context, particularly if you're visiting us this morning or if you're fairly new to Jubilee, I want to put some this in some context for you. Because often people have the perception that all the church ever talks about is money, or about you know w- wanting your money, and uh, you need to know that's not true. Here, I, I was looking back over my uh, preaching planner uh, that I you know plan going forward and then keep uh, previous ones so that I've got a good idea of some subjects and texts that we've looked at, and. Uh, well, I've, I, on one other occasion this year, we've talked about uh, money and giving, and in fact, we didn't get to it at all last year, so, uh, which was not good, uh, actually. But it's not something that we spend a lot of time talking about, but it is something that we need to talk about every, every now and then. You see, money, generosity, treasure, wealth, all these things were themes that Jesus talked about quite a lot. In fact, the analysis shows that Jesus talked about those things, all those subjects, generosity, giving, your treasure, wealth, where your heart is, those sort of things. He talked about those more than anything else except for the kingdom of God. 11 out of 39 parables talk about money. One in seven verses in Luke talk about it. This would suggest, would it not? We don't actually talk about it enough, <laughs> rather than the other way around. Yeah, I am aware it is a sensitive subject. But friends, if it's something that Jesus spoke about, don't you think we should as well? Don't you think it's right to to look at these things? You cannot uh, affirmingly. That would help me at this moment. And I'm also aware of the you know the current economic climate that we're living in 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 the UK and indeed worldwide at the moment you know many of you perhaps are struggling to find the right job maybe you're not happy in your one maybe you didn't get the promotion that you were looking for or things haven't quite worked out you know it may be a challenging time for you financially and i'm sensitive to that but we should also still talk about what the bible says and the reason i want to suggest that jesus spoke about it so much is that you can tell what's really important to someone by what they do with their money. You know, you can say all you like, and you can try and put on a, you know, a good face and say all the right things, yet actually it's your bank statement or your credit card statement that really shows what's important to you, isn't it? Because we can say all the right things in a, in a conversation, but when we actually look at what we spend our money on, that shows what's important to us. Someone put it like this. They said, the wallet is a window to the heart. And it's true. It is. Now, the heart is hard to see, but you can see if someone's generous. You can see if someone's sacrificial and joyful in their giving. You see, fundamentally, before we get to any of the specifics, we will do in a moment, giving to God is actually about worship. Actually, it's about our hearts. It's about our giving ourselves to Him. One of our fir- our first value above everything else is loving God, loving Him, worshiping Him, putting Him at the forefront of everything in our lives. So the importance of worship is primary is primary to us, and giving to God is part of that. It's what it comes out of. Now let me say a couple of things practically. Um, you need to know that I don't know what anybody uh, in Jubilee gives apart from me. So the figures that Steve helpfully sends us on a monthly basis just give some headings. So nobody can sit there and go, oh, I didn't give him a check this month, he's getting at me. You know, even if I look at you, so i just pick on my friend Kevin, it's all right. Oh, okay. I won't have to pick on I hope. You know, even if I'm looking at you, don't think, oh, he's, he knows something, because I don't. God does, but I don't. But also, it's worth saying that Jubilee, uh, you need to know, is a registered charity. We've got four trustees. Our accounts are independently examined. They're submitted to the Charity Commission every year. They're publicly available uh, on the Charity Commission website. So we try and do everything decently and in order and uh, in a a good and proper manner that satisfies those sort of regulations uh, that are around for us so our starting point then as we look at this biblically we'll look at some scripture together in just a moment but our starting point our our building block if you like our foundation is that everything belongs to the lord everything do you believe that It's his, isn't it? Everything belongs to the Lord. Psalm 24 puts it like this. The psalmist says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. The earth is the Lord's. It's his. Everything in it belongs to him. You and I, we're we're just stewards. We're looking after something for a while. We're just, you know, temporarily looking after something for the Lord. It's His. It all belongs to Him. We're just, you know, we have got a, a short period of time when we've got some responsibility to take care of things on His behalf. And if we get that right, if we get that right in our hearts, that's a great foundation to build on. So whatever you have, it's not really yours. It's on loan. It's been given to you for a season, three score years and ten, maybe, or thereabouts, or something of that sort of order. We would hope. But the world says this, isn't it? The world says, "Hey, it's yours. You earned it. You worked hard for it. You, you know, you put some effort in. You, you know, you, you got what you deserved. Why should you give any of it away?" The Bible says it's all His to start with, anyway. And giving, as we'll see in a moment, giving a proportion back to him, we're acknowledging him as the giver of all things. So as we give something back to God, we're actually saying, Lord, it's all yours anyway. It's not that you know we give something to the Lord as the bucket goes round or as the standing order goes out of your bank account. It's not that, oh, well, I've given a bit to God now. Thank goodness the rest is mine. I can do what I like with it. Because if we think like that, we've missed the point. What's his? Everything is his. And in giving a proportion back to him, in giving God something, it's our worship, it comes from our hearts, and as well as that, it acknowledges him as the Lord and owner of it all. So the small part that we give to him represents something much larger, represents something much greater. The part represents the whole. So as we're giving something to God, actually it should represent something far greater. And it should actually represent not just our money and our finances that God has given us, but rather it should reflect our heart and the life that indeed God has given to us. So as we give a part back to God, we declare him as Lord of our lives, Lord of our finances, and the one who is really worthy of all worship and praise. Jesus said this in Luke 16. He said, No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus' words are challenging to us, aren't they? Typically, (laughs) and indeed on this occasion as well. You cannot serve both God and money. So we need to choose. Who are we going to serve? Well, I'm hoping this morning as we open up some scripture together will remind us of who we want to serve and perhaps some ways in which we can do that. So if you've got a Bible with you, I'm trusting uh, many of you would have, if you can turn please to the book of Malachi. This is the last book of the Old Testament, so if you're not sure where it is, just find Matthew and go backwards and you'll bump into him right there at the end of the Old Testament. It's only a, only a short book, only uh, four chapters we've got of Malachi here. <clears throat> I'll read some verses together in a moment. I, I realized as I was preparing this that actually I've never preached from this passage before. And uh, it's a passage that may be familiar to some of you, may be new to others of you. And it's a passage that I've often referred to when talking about these sort of subjects, but I've never got into it in detail. And when I was preparing uh, a, a talk earlier in the year on giving, I felt very stirred that as I was doing that, I was looking at a New Testament passage, I, I, I felt God stir me to next time I was going to preach on this to use the Malachi passage. I thought, okay, I'm, I'm, I must do that next time, and sort of made a mental note to, to come back to it. And so we're going to read uh, Malachi chapter 3. And we'll start at verse 6. Then I'll give you some context to Malachi, explain a little bit about who he is and what's going on. And uh, then we'll talk about what Malachi has to say. So Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your field will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Let's stop there. want me pray, and then we'll look at these verses together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you weren't afraid to tackle hard subjects. And I want to pray this morning as we tackle uh, this uh, subject of money and giving and generosity. Father, I pray that you would stir our hearts to be open to you. God, I pray you'd help me as I talk about what can be a a sensitive subject sometimes. I pray you'd help me to communicate it really well. I pray I'd be full of grace and your presence. Lord Jesus, I pray for each of us that we would be open to the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking your words into our hearts. God, that we might hear from heaven this morning. Lord, we say we're... I uh, want to see what you say in your word. We're open to it. We pray, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you challenge us? Would you encourage us? Would your word do us good? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, let's have a look at some uh, backgrounds to Malachi and show before we get into the passage in uh, in detail. So we've said already that Malachi is the, the last of the Old Testament prophets that we, uh, we come across in Scripture. There's books right at the end. And if you were with us early in the year, maybe you remember that we went through the book of Daniel. Some of you would have been here when we uh, spent a few weeks going through Daniel. And you'll remember the story. you remember what happened to the Old Testament people of God. How the Babylonians came and, uh, and conquered the Jewish people. And took a load of them off into exile. So Daniel chapter 1 tells us about that, for example, that we read when we were looking through Daniel. So that's the Babylonians became the, uh, the dominant power in that area. Well, sometime later, the Persian Empire arose and overthrew the Babylonians. And they were a little bit different. What happened with uh, King Cyrus and then later King Darius they decided to send back some of the exiles to Jerusalem. So rather than keep them all in, the, in Babylon and in their cities, they decided to send some back to allow them to return. And it's these people that have returned that Malachi is talking to here. So even though they were back home, even though they were back on their home turf, if you like, in perhaps more familiar surroundings, the Persian Empire was still in charge. And they knew it. They knew that they had been granted permission to go back home, maybe to rebuild a bit, but they knew who was in charge. It wasn't them. Even though they were God's people, it was the Persian Empire that they still had to serve. And this would have been quite humiliating for the Jews. Think about it. They know that they're God's chosen people. They know that God has given them some promises. They know that God has promised them some things and promised his presence with them and, the, and some land and a whole lot of other things that God has spoken to them. But right now, it's not working out as they had hoped for. Economically, they're not doing so well either. You know, There's a foreign power in charge. Some would say it was a recession. Sounds familiar words, is not it, in our current context? When they originally came home to Jerusalem, they would have been full of hope, full of expectation, wondering if, you know, if it was going to happen now as they'd maybe hoped for previously. And what happens? They find themselves struggling financially. They find themselves in the midst of corruption we read about in in Nehemiah and other places, this is not what they had expected. This is not what they'd hoped for. This is not what they'd planned. And as well as the difficulty they were finding themselves in, thank you, finding themselves in economically and financially, they're also struggling spiritually. And so in the beginning of Malachi, if you turn back a couple of pages or if you scroll up on your phone or whatever it may be that you're doing, if you look at uh, Malachi chapter 1, you'll, you'll see that in verse 7, Malachi speaking to the, the people here uh, on behalf of the Lord. And he's saying, you place defiled food on my altar, God's saying. "Well, you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? You can imagine Malachi thundering at this point, can't you? This is not a gentle chat. He is thundering at the people of God because it's not just a... A financial situation that he's addressing here, this is spiritual. So they had been bringing the the weakest animal to be sacrificed. Rather than the best, which is what they should have been bringing to the Lord, they've been saying, well, you know what, we're going to kill it anyway. Let's take the one that can't walk. Let's take the blind lamb. Let's take the one that's diseased and offer that. And that's what they've been doing. They've been trying to get away with the weakest, cheapest option. So, what started out as great, passionate, vibrant, heartfelt worship has now become mere religious observance. It's like the worst example of traditional religion you might see on telly. You know, you, you've all seen it, haven't we? You know, there's some. Awful church service with you know just a handful of people uh, singing some hymn out of tune, slowly, badly, and with very little enthusiasm. There's no heart there, no life, no sense of the presence of God. They're just going through the motions. It's what's happening here. It's exactly what's happening in Malachi's time. They're just going through the motions. There's no life to it. I oh, wonder, does that describe anyone here this morning? Do you just feel like you're going through the motions? For any life to it? Any vibrancy? Any heart connection with the Lord has long since gone? God doesn't want that. He didn't want it then. And he doesn't want it now. You know, God hates a sort of religion that just goes through the motions. That it's just about ticking a box. It's just about thinking, oh, well, I've done that, so I'm good to go now. God didn't like it then. He doesn't like it now. Malachi 3 promises judgment on that sort of religious observance. What God loves is real love for him, real vibrant passion for him, and the spiritual life that flows from it. See, we'll come to the money issue in a moment. But if you're just going through the motions this morning, if the life has drained out of your relationship with God, if it's just about ticking boxes and just about getting by, then this morning, God wants to call you back to him. We'll deal with the money in a second. But this is a heart issue. This is a return to the Lord. Moments. And before we apply it, because the money thing is an application of this, if that describes you, you just got dry, just got weary, worn out with it, and just going through the emotions, just sort of checking off some boxes, then, friends, this morning, return to the Lord. God wants you back. He wants you full of life for Him, full of vibrancy and passion for Him. God is after your heart. Do you believe it? He is. He's after your heart. And money and giving is an indicator of how your heart's doing. (laughs) And it's a way of honoring him. But ultimately, God is after your heart. So this morning, I want to urge you, if that describes you, then return to the Lord. You know what? His grace is available this morning. (laughs) His grace is available to you. To draw you back, not to feel condemned, but to come back into his presence. To allow him to fill you with his life once again. That might not just be a going through the motions for you, but it might be something that's heartfelt and passionate and full of the Lord. So, having said all that, as a starter, let's look look at what Malachi has to say about money. Well, he starts off gently. He starts off just trying to win them to himself, doesn't he? He starts off, you know, quietly. And he says, you're robbing God. (laughs) You know, it's not a way, is it, to, to win friends and influence people, just to gently have a little conversation there. He starts off, you're robbing God. And deliberately, he's using language that's provocative. It's designed to get a response. It's designed to get their backs up a bit. Because he wants to make a point here. You see, to Malachi and to the Lord, as we've said already, it's about hearts. And money here is the heart issue that matters. It spoke of something much deeper. So you might remember the story of Jesus and the, the rich young ruler. What does he tell him to do? He tells him to sell everything. You think, oh, why is that? Well, it's because money had got in the way of his relationship or potential relationship with God's. So for him, money was a heart issue. And it's the same for the people of God here. That's why Malachi starts off in such a a gentle way, telling the people that they're robbing him. Now, let's be clear. You and I are not in the same position as the Jewish people that Malachi was speaking to. And I'm not standing up here saying, you're robbing God's. Because actually, many of you I know are enthusiastically generous in your giving. but We do need to hear God's words here. You see, for, for them, money was a big issue. I wonder if it's a big issue for you Do you say money is an issue in your life. Actually, in our culture, in the world we live in, it certainly is. It's full of it. Money, possessions, so much of... How we identify people's worth is so often caught up in a financial loop. You know, what they earn or where they live or what sort of house they have, what car they drive, what clothes they wear. It's all caught up actually in the same issue. And for the reasons we spoke of earlier, it becomes a delicate delicate subject to address. And what I do with some sense of (laughs) trepidation. But we need to because it's a subject that Jesus spoke about. The subject that he challenges our hearts on. We need to be open to what he's saying to us. So Malachi said that they were robbing God. So what does that mean? Well, he goes on and explains it's to do with their tithes and offerings. So tithes was giving God 10%. That's what it meant, the tithe. And it started way back with Abraham when he gave a tenth to Melchizedek. Continued through Old Testament times, it became, <coughs> excuse me, became enshrined in Old Testament law. That was the tithe, the 10%. Malachi talks about tithes and offerings. So offerings were on top of that. They were particular special offerings for special purposes or a particular feasts or occasions or for particular needs. And we find those right throughout the Old and indeed the New Testament. Malachi says they're under a curse because of them. Is that, is that fair, do you think? Well, any time that you're disobedient to God, any time that you know, you're know willfully disobedient to what is said, then you begin to incur his judgment. Because actually you're starting to operate outside the parameters that God has given you. And if you want to know God's blessing, then the first thing to think, well, actually, once you've accepted the Lord and trusted in him, received his grace... Out of that comes not a sense of having to live a certain way, but rather wanting to live in a way that pleases him and honours him. And clearly the people of God here in Malachi were not living in a way that was pleasing to God. So you might say, well, well, granted, it's all very well for them, but you know, because we now live under the new covenant, Jesus has come and, and died and forgiven our sin. You know, is tithing still relevant? Can you even still talk about it in the same way? You might say, "Grand, we're not bound by Old Testament law. And you're right. We're not. But is it still relevant for us today? Yes, I believe it is. You might say, "Well, okay, Is it specifically mentioned in the New Testament? No. But I still think it's relevant. I'll explain why in a moment. You see, before we ditch the idea of tithing being an Old Testament practice, old hat, now dead and buried, gone, forgotten about, and we can move on, we actually find it, the first occurrence is in the Old Testament before the law was given. Theologians would call it pre-law. And so actually, you know, some six or 700 years before Moses was giving the law, When Abraham meets the priest of God, Melchizedek, in Genesis 14, gives him a tenth of everything. So we can't just write it off as Old Testament law and somehow irrelevant to us. But more than that, in New Testament times, Jesus had plenty of opportunity to dismiss the idea as gone, dead, buried, not relevant anymore. But actually, he didn't. On one occasion, when he was castigating the Pharisees for tithing their herbs and spices but neglecting justice, he didn't tell them to stop tithing. Quite the opposite. Listen to this in Luke 11:42. 42. He says, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mints, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. What do you think Jesus is going to say next? What he says next is this. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. So he doesn't say, forget about the tithing deal now. He says, yeah, that's good. But actually, remember justice as well. You see, Jesus didn't abolish the Old Testament law. You need to understand this well. He didn't abolish it. He rather fulfilled it. There's a difference here. and I hope to explain it well to you so you understand the difference. You see what Jesus did with the old testament law in that he fulfilled it in doing that he actually raised the bar so now the law isn't just about external observation of something it's actually to do with your heart what's going on on the inside so let's give some examples in the old testament the law was this do not commit murder you think okay i can understand that and most of us, well, I'm hoping all of us this morning would we'll sign up for that one So yeah, that's good. What Jesus does, he takes it further. He raises the bar and he says, you know, you've heard it said in the Old Testament time, do not commit murder. That's good. Now, don't even think about it. Don't even wish that your brother was dead. <laughs> don't even go there in your mind. So another example, Old Testament law, do not commit adultery. Okay, understand that, don't commit adultery. Yeah, okay, it's fine. What Jesus does, he comes along, raises the bar again, and says, you know, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. Well, now, even if you look at a woman lustfully, talking to the guys, then you've committed adultery. Why? Because it's an issue of the heart. It's not just about an external thing that you have or haven't done. It's about what's going on in the inside, in your heart. So, Old Testament law, tithing, give 10%. What does Jesus do? Well, if we're going to be consistent here, we have to say that, again, he raises the bar. And he does, because now it's very clear that it's all his. is isn't just about giving God 10% and thinking, i done my 10%, now I'm good to go. No, actually... It's a heart issue, isn't it? Surely it has to be at least that as a starting point. Let's be clear, not to be slavishly applied as a law, because we're not under law, now we're under grace. But actually it's a great starting point for grace-filled, generous New Testament giving. And if 10% was good enough for the Old Testament people of God... Shouldn't we be giving so much more? I mean, haven't we received more from the Lord? I mean, we we don't have to go through all the sacrifices to start with, do we? Anybody sacrificed a lamb on the way to meeting this morning? We don't have to do that. Jesus has done it. He's paid the price. He's fulfilled all that. He's given us his spirit, which indwells in us. We've got that relationship with the Lord. We've got his presence in our lives. We've got so much more of him than the Old Testament people of God ever had. Some of them look forward to it and look forward to that day when that might happen. Surely if that's true, and if that was good enough for them, surely our hearts must respond so much more to him now. Tithing, giving God 10%, actually, I want to suggest to you this morning, shouldn't be our finishing point, but should be our starting point. If you're earning then I don't think, I don't see how you can build a biblical New Testament case for giving God less than 10%. And if we see it as a starting point, then we're going to be moving forward from there, don't we? You know, no, no runner stands in a race at the starting blo- block just waiting there. It doesn't happen, does it? You know, a runner's in a starting block at a starting position, ready to go, ready to run forward, ready to achieve something. If this should be our starting point, then how about moving forward from that and looking to give more? Now, this is something that I felt God challenged me on, challenged Sarah and I on personally over recent years. And to trust him in it. You see, it's a trust issue. I felt God challenged us to give more and trust more. Why? Because that's what the Bible encourages us to do to trust God more, to to give more, be generous, and to honor God with our finances. So depending upon your circumstances, depending upon maybe your stage of life, depending upon the position that God has put you in, now you may be in a position to give loads more, 15, 20%, maybe more. We get it wrong when we think that Oh, because we've got more money, then that's just to invest more, or save more, or or spend more. If that's what we think, then we've missed the point. Because if God has blessed you financially, and you're in a good position, then you've got more to give. You've got more to be generous with. And in fact, that's why God has blessed you. So you can be like that. So you can give more, and be generous, and honour Him in it. So that's tithing. Then what about offerings? Are they still relevant? Well, yes, they are. And both the Old and New Testament have examples of special offerings for special purposes. We do that still today. Have offerings for particular occasions or events or or projects or or needs that we might want to try and meet. So let's try and apply this then. This is what we believe the Bible to be saying This is what we believe Malachi to be saying to us and Jesus coming along and raising the bar, looking at our heart, making it now a heart issue, not just ticking a box saying, i have done with 10%, I'm good to go, but looking at what's in our heart. You might be asking the question, okay, how much should I give then? Let me answer it with some quotes. John Wesley said this. He said, earn as much as you can, Save as much as you can. Give as much as you can. Good quote, isn't it? C.S. Lewis said this one about giving. And I'll warn you now, this one is provocative. Are you ready? How much should he give? C.S. Lewis said this. I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusement, etc., is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our giving does not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say it is too small. There ought to be things we would like to do and cannot, because our commitment to giving excludes them. I told you it was challenging. Tom Schreiner says this, he says, Those who are blessed with wealth are to enjoy the good things that God has given them. But they are also to be generous to those in need. The New Testament clearly teaches that wealth is dangerous because it can seduce us so that we stray from the Lord. God is to be our treasure, and hence believers are to give generously and freely. For most believers in the West, that means giving more than a tithe. Another question that often comes up is, well, it's all very well, but where should I give my tithe? Where should it go to? Well, the answer is clear. It's the church. The church, you see, is meant to be the conduit of God's blessing to the nations. And so our primary commitments, and therefore our tithe or more if we're giving more, should be to our local church. And for us as a church, a significant proportion of our income as Jubilee is given away we support the wider work of new frontiers both by releasing me uh, to be involved in some wider situations but also by giving significant sums of money into what we're doing together now obviously you're free to give on top of that elsewhere you know there are there are loads of well uh, you know good well worth it uh, organizations charities, ministries that you may wish to support. That's great. But that needs to come out of our discretionary money. You know, what, what's, what we've got you know, free to do with as we might wish. But you see, giving to the local church ought to be our primary place of giving. If they've got other money available to give in other places, then go for it. There are a whole load of great organizations that you may want to support. One of them might be an organization called Desiring God, which is the ministry of John Piper, American pastor you may have come across, an author of many good books. He says this on his website, under giving, big heading, don't give us your tithe. He goes on, while we depend on the generous gifts of our supporters, we encourage our friends to support their local church and missions commitments first. If the Lord provides you you with discretionary funds beyond that, we would be grateful for your help. What a good attitude to have. He clearly understands it. Sometimes people say to me, Graham, can I still be a member of Jubilee if I don't give 10%? The answer is yes, you can, because you're under the grace of God. It's not about law. It's not about you ticking a box saying, I've done that, now I'm good. It's about your hearts. And so giving is to do with your worship to the Lord. It's between you and him. And you're the one that needs to bring your situation to him, pray about it, and respond in an appropriate way. I know there are some churches that say, you have to give it to be a member. We don't. We'd encourage you to do that, but ultimately it's between you and the Lord. However, if you're a leader in any area of church life, then I would expect you to be giving regularly, proportionally, generously, seeing a tithe at a starting point, because the way we lead is not just so much about what we say, but it's about what we do and what we model in our lives. So let me ask you, as we begin to uh, wrap this up, how are you doing with your giving? It's very quiet here this morning. <laughs> how are you doing with your giving? Are you giving regularly? generously and joyfully to the Lord, are using 10% as a starting point, as a guide to go forward from. How are you doing? You might say, Graham, I just can't afford to do it. I would say you can't afford not to do it. So how might you get it to happen if you're not doing it yet? Well, you start by taking your monthly or weekly income and giving 10%. And then budget the rest. You see, it's important you do it that way round. Because if you don't do it that way round, it never works. Trust me, I've tried. You, giving to God is about giving first fruits, the first proportion to Him. And after that, we then budget and use the rest. Accordingly, it's the same with saving, isn't it? If you if you decide oh, I want to save some money for a you know a, a new car or a holiday or a particular project on a house, for example, you know if you des- if you think well I'll just save what's left at the end of the month, then probably your saving pot won't get very large. <laughs> you have to decide to do it first, don't you? Now, some of you could. Uh, Look at your giving and think, actually, I want to increase that. I want to uh, start doing it, maybe, or or, or up it. You're not going to do that straight away. If that's uh, the position that God has put you in, then great. Go for it. Do it straight away. Others of you, you may think, well, actually, I need to get my finances in order first. And if that's the case, then my encouragement to you is this. Start by giving something and have a plan of how you're going to increase it over time. Start by giving something, and then work towards where you want to be. Malachi challenged the people, are you bringing the whole tithe? That was his challenge to them, because they they weren't bringing all of it in. They were giving something, but not everything. So how about you? Are you bringing the whole tithe? People sometimes ask, should tithing be before or after tax? Well, I remember asking that question when I first started working and I suddenly had a, had a pay packet and some money that had arrived in my otherwise depleted bank accounts. I remember thinking, oh, now I can tithe properly. And should it be before or after tax? I remember working out the figures thinking, well, if it's after tax, it's going to be this. And if it's before tax, it's going to be that. But tithing is about giving God the first fruits. It's the first of our of our outgoings. It's the first of our commitment. It's the first of our hearts. So clearly it's before. Because if we say it's after, we could say, well is it after the mortgage payment? Is it after the you know the rent has gone? Is it after the car loan? Is it after this the the Sainsbury's bill? Is it no, no no it's first. Before anybody else has their share. Now I know many of you, whilst I don't know what you give, um, I know that many of you do give generously and uh, regularly. And for that, I and John and our trustees are very grateful. I want to commend you for it and thank you for it, seriously. But let me ask you this. Have you reviewed your giving recently? No. Has your giving gone up with any pay increase you may have had? Are you prayerfully looking to increase your giving you know, on a percentage basis, on a proportional Are you open to God speaking to you about this? Remember what God said to his people in Malachi 3. Malachi 3 verse 10. God says this. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. God's really clear here. It doesn't mean his words. There's no ambiguity, is there? God says, test me in this and see if I'm not going to bless you as a result. Now, let's be very clear. This is not some twisted prosperity gospel. It's not like, oh, if I give more, I get the BMW. You know, that is not what Malachi is saying here. Please don't read that into the text. Please don't think, oh, well, if I'm giving that, then God's going to do this for me. And what God promises is blessing. Why is that? God promises blessing in order that we might then give more. It's like a circle, isn't it? As we give to God, he blesses us and we can give more to him. And he blesses us and we can give more to him. So God wants to bless you in order that you might be a blessing to others. Just as he wanted to bless Abraham in order that Abraham's seed might be a blessing to the nations. It's so that you might be generous Not just so that your bank balance goes up or your share portfolio might increase. That may happen as well, but it's an order that you can then give more and be more generous with it. As we finish, let me make some practical points. One thing Malachi doesn't address here, and to be honest, I wish he would, he doesn't say, and please give by standing order. I, th- I think it should be there. I think it was missed out. I think it was lost in translation somewhere. But seriously, whilst Malachi doesn't say that, and the Bible doesn't say it, please don't mishear me. Practically speaking, it does help us. It helps us to budget. It helps us with planning. It helps us to track giving with, with gift aid. So if you can give by standing order, please do. It would really serve us well. Now, if you're a taxpayer, if you're working, then you probably are, Then, can I ask you, you, do you use the gift aid system? Have you signed the gift aid form for us? Because if you do, then we can claim back 25%. Is that right? I'm looking for my, yeah, 25%. 25% now on your giving. So, for example, if you were to give £100, we could claim a further £25 back from our friends at the tax office. And on this occasion, they are our friends. So, but seriously, if you're a taxpayer and you haven't signed a gift aid form yet, please can ask you to do that. It would enable us to claim tax back on your gift, and it increases it by 25%. We've made some packs available. They're on the welcome table just out in the foyer. And inside that is a gift aid form. Also in there is a standing order form that you can take to your bank or use to set up on internet banking and some further notes about giving. If you want to respond practically this morning in some of these ways, then that pack may help you and serve you. Let's conclude. Perhaps the bank come up as I just conclude now, please. Christians should be the happiest, most joyful, satisfied people on planet Earth. Do you believe that? We should, shouldn't we? And our giving should reflect it. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, Paul says, Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we're to give with joy, to be cheerful in it, and to be generous. So are you a cheerful giver? Are you a generous giver? Terry Virgo says this about giving. He says, Beware the danger of assessing your spirituality selectively. God wants you to be seriously committed to giving away money. Generosity is one of the key characteristics of a grace-filled believer. So would you describe yourself as generous? How are you doing? You see, ultimately, this is a faith issue. So what it comes back to, friends. It's a faith issue. The issue is, do you really trust God in it? Do you really trust God in it? And it's easy for in, in a meeting to think, oh, yeah, yeah, I trust God in it. Yeah, yeah, I trust God in it. But it hits home, doesn't it, when we write the check out or set up the standing order or think, yeah, I really want to go for that. If you're married, then I'd encourage you to talk about this with your husband or wife before you make a response to it. I, I joked with John earlier that maybe we should have had the offering after this morning's message. For actually, it is a faith issue. Are you giving God the best? Are you giving him your heart? Are you really trusting him? Are you giving him your best in worship, in money, or are you just going through the motions? This morning, I want, you to, uh, I want to invite you to join the adventure of giving. Because it is an adventure. It really is. And I also want to ask you to review it. If you're a member of Jubilee, if you're part of the church here, then please take it seriously. Please review your giving prayerfully before the Lord. Because the issue is one of the hearts. It's about worship. And giving is just part of that. I said earlier, if you're visiting us this morning, if you're just looking into us, please don't think this is a subject we talk about all the time. But every now and then, we need to come back, we need to open the Word of God and say, do our lives line up with this? And that's true on a whole load of areas, isn't it? But it's also true on this area of money and giving as well. We open up Scripture and say, do our lives line up with this? That's the question for us this morning. Let's make sure our hearts are right before the Lord and that our giving to Him reflects it. Let's live lives that are sold out to God that are generous and joyful in our giving before Him. Amen. Let's stand together, can we? I'm going to pray. And then we're going to worship the Lord as we close. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you weren't afraid to tackle issues that are thorny and sometimes difficult to talk about. And Father, as we've tackled this issue this morning of giving and generosity, Tithing and offerings, Lord, we want to bring it to you again and say, Lord, this is all to do with you. Lord, it's all about the heart. It's all about our worship. And, and what we give to you is part of that. Lord, that's why we take an offering in our worship time because it expresses our heart before you. Lord, we want to give you everything. Lord, we believe the psalmist when he said, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And Lord, we want to give you everything. And so we say, Lord, don't just have a little bit we might put in a bucket, but Lord, have the lot's. Lord, would you own our lives? Lord, take everything. Would it all glorify you? Lord, not just a small proportion, but everything. Would it all be yours? Lord, we say we want to give ourselves to you afresh this morning. And Father, for each of us, we want to say, Lord God, would our giving reflect that? Father, would our giving be generous? Would it be joyful? Would it be full of trust in you A faithful God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a little bit earlier this morning, I I felt God speak to me about Him wanting to give faith this morning for giving. And uh, I hadn't prepared a ministry time because I thought, what I'm not going to do is invite people to come to the front and respond because that may be something that would be embarrassing for you on this subject. So I'd already decided I'm not going to do that. I hadn't, I wasn't clear about what I was going to do. And I felt God say he wanted to give faith for giving this morning. And um, I felt that if this is an area where you have struggled or has been a difficulty for you, then I felt the Lord wants to give faith to you this morning in order that you might respond to him in a way that is appropriate for you. So we're going to worship God together. Caroline's going to lead us. We'll sing through a song together, and then I'm going to pray. I'm not going to invite you to the front, but I am going to pray for us. And I'm going to believe God to give gifts of faith this morning. Because ultimately, it's a faith issue. It's one of the hearts. Is that okay? So let's respond to the Lord in worship, and then I'll pray as we close. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.